1: Well, we've been talking about this for a while and we've got there. WPP CEO Jens Monzies is with us today and we've got a lot to cover. Jens landed about a year ago from Germany to transform the listed Australian and New Zealand business, which is part owned by WPP globally. Now, there's been a huge amount of conjecture in the market about the transformation program and certainly in recent months, the market has been a buzz about dissatisfaction inside the company, about the strategy and culture Jens is building. So we're going to talk about that and more broadly. About the outlook for the business. Jens also has some strong views on the statements made by the Asia Pacific CEO of Sir Martin Sorrell's startup S4 about the fundamental and possibly insurmountable challenges facing all the big global holding companies. Too big, too cumbersome, and too restricted by investors looking for, for returns to reinvent, said Michael Derrick on a recent MI3 podcast. Jens, look forward to having your views on that one. So, Jens, welcome. Before we get to what's next in WPP's reinvention, let's just get straight to the market speculation around WP at the moment as I said there's plenty of it John Stephen first the just departed COO at WPP was there a falling out there between you and him he's obviously we know he's a veteran and he left pretty abruptly so there's a lot of talk around what's behind that so let's hear from the boss and, and welcome Jens yeah thanks thanks Paul for having me um and and straight into your first
0: question um, actually, Steady and me and worked very, very close together, and I'm very thankful that uh, he stayed so long and helping me, um, you know, get my feet under the desk. So it was a fantastic uh, first year. We created, especially for Steady, that role of a COO to get me into uh, the market, into the clients, into the team with this great experience, and I think. Uh, with uh, his age around the 70, um, it's it's time to uh, retire. I think he, he tried actually to retire two times before and now um, we should be also generous and, and let him
1: go and, and have some leisure time as well. well. I'd like that myself actually. But the conversation around that though has been that it was fairly very quick. It happened very abruptly and that there has been lots of conversation about whether there's been unrest inside the business and uh, Steady was part of that and that there was a falling out between you. and. The- the, the abrupt departure, I guess, is is probably the the cue that gets lots of people and lots of tongues wagging yens because it was it was very quick and it wasn't expected. So I guess it's just it was all on good terms, or was there some differences in opinion on on strategy? Yeah. So no, not at all. So um,
0: actually, um, it's a long term plan, and I have to say it's not quick and abrupt um, because we were planning this out. He said when I started, well, I will help you on the saddle, but then it's also time at one point um, to let me go. And we agreed on it. And therefore, we we actually didn't talk about this to the market for good reasons. Because if you say, look, uh, Steady is just staying a while, then he doesn't have that strong role that he needed to drive our transformation and to help me in the seat. So actually, I don't know the the shatter and the gossip in the market, but I think it was a very, very good, long and, and also fantastic handover from Steady to me.
1: Okay, so concurrently with that though, there is currently a board-commissioned CEO review by two outside consultants covering staff and clients, as I understand it, and it'll be great to get this cleared up. Is that happening, and what's the purpose of that Jens? Why is that happening now, and is, it, is there anything linked there? No. Um, so, I'm actually pushing for it, and, and the board is uh, helping me
0: to get that through, um, to have a review after one year. And I think... We have to show responsibility and ownership about our staff, how do they feel? So I'm very proud um, that we are in the moment, Paul, running employee engagement survey because we need to know how our people are feeling, how they see the transformation, how they do under COVID. But also then uh, we are running a 360 leadership circle where we as a team, as a management team, um, give each other feedback. And in a modern organization, um, you know, there's nothing, exciting about it it's 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 a normal business as usual after one year and um, the last thing is is our clients so um, in my strategy that I put out uh, beginning of the year we put clients first and a review of where we stand an NPS score how our clients are looking at us is very important to me and to the business um, and where we can improve. And therefore, um, we want to have some unfiltered uh, statements and uh, how you do it. You take a neutral third party in to ask about the clients and to give feedback to our leaders and to see also um, if there is any room for improvement towards our staff in a very difficult year. So, you know, um, it, it's a lot of, it's obviously in, in Australia, always a lot of gossip in the market. But um, I'm very, I'm very uh, happy that we are currently running the management review after one year in clients and people. And also uh, at the end of the day, our investors need to be informed how we are driving our transformation, what we achieved and where we're still working on.
1: Well, there's a lot, as you say, you've got a lot on and you're shaking lots of things up. Where, When you talk about sort of asking the market and, and, and employees about improvements, what, what's your hunch there? What, If you look back the, the last 12 months or where you're going, where is there some improvements to be made, do you think? What, what are you sensing? Well, <laughs> I, think,
0: I think there's a lot. Uh, we are in a global pandemic, Paul, and uh, so from one day to the other, our team was so agile and flexible. Taking all their work, and working from home, ninety-eight uh, percent of the people are working from home, and especially for um, creative business that. That creative ideas are coming into a room where workshops are, uh, you know, a big part of our business and idea generation. Um, we 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 moved that all quickly to Zoom, and now I think it's a it's a moment where we have it all under control and where we actually show um, very good results in a in a very tough year. Um, so there's a time to reflect and to say. Hey, team, what what went well, where we can improve? What do you need uh, from from us uh, in the future? And actually also thinking about uh, post pandemic uh, era. Do we all come back to the office? Probably not, because some of our um, employees say, hey, Jens, Actually, working one day from home is great. So I, I can save my two hours commute in the morning and in the evening. So we are listening carefully in what our staff really wants from us. And um, my my internal goal is to be the um, the best employer in our industry. I'm I'm very very proud what the team has achieved and and also. What was um, done by the brands to, to, to continue to serve our
1: clients? So that's the people side. I guess on the leadership side, there is a lot of talk in the market, and this is—you've uh, already mentioned it. Uh, Australia is pretty good at this stuff, uh, speculation, yens. But there is a lot of talk in the market about internal tension at WBP over what and how you're going about the transforming the business. No argument is needed. I don't think many people argue that. But to the point that a vast majority of WBP business unit leaders, uh, business unit leaders are. Said at least to be questioning the structure and culture. Now, as we said, the Australian market's good at speculative stuff, but it does keep coming up. And I've heard it for months, and you go, no, no, put it aside. But it is carrying particular heat right now, Yen. So why is that? What is going on that is driving this? Is there, is there tension in the leadership ranks? What is going on there?
0: There, there is f- for sure the need to change, and everybody is acknowledging and, and buying into it. Then the question is, Paul, what is the right direction we are heading? And, and what is the, the future role of our campuses, our brands, our different solution space. And um, there's no silver bullet. There's not one answer. And um, then I think you need to listen in careful. You have to have that dialogue and you have to have that exchange and that tension and that different points of view where you are actually Uh, finding then the right way forward. And actually, when we started our transformation roadmap, we brought all our senior leaders together and we were discussing for three days, what is uh, the way forward and uh, how also we are driving our strategy together. I'm very grateful there are different opinions about it. Um, And at the end of the day, it's on the leadership team then to take a, a line decision where we are going. And that's that's what we are continuing to do. And the other part of it is that we also talk, obviously, with our big sh- shareholder in London um, and, and aligning the both strategies very close to each other. Um, because, um, you know, Australia and New Zealand is different, but not that much different of a global strategy, and uh, I think the 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 basic the main difference is that we are here a public listed uh, company, and in other markets uh, we have um, just uh, country country managers who are driving the business. Together.
1: Okay, so so look, I mean, I, I, usually there's where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm going to finish with this one, and we're going to move on to the broader strategic stuff because there is some. Um pretty big things you've got planned. But just to quote one person that has is in market talking about WPP at the moment and about you, here's the quote, the biggest criticism is Jens doesn't listen, he dictates and he's ruthless around what his incentive is. Now, this is the sort of stuff that's going out there. And the problem is, well, the issue I have is that, you know, one time you go, yeah, it's just, a, it's, 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 you know, um, a, a distant voice, but it's regular Jens. So I just want to be, before we get onto the next stuff around uh, WPP, I want to be really clear, do you think that you have any uh, issues, challenges with your leadership team? A a majority of it, because that is what the market is talking about. And I just want to be really, really clear, I get you on that before we move on. Is there unrest, broad unrest inside the leadership team at WPP?
0: No, no, there's not. Um, And thank you for asking this question so I can give some clarity. Um, If we are decided on, this is the right way to transform the business and we have broad alignment with London, with the board, with the management team among us, then we are going uh, down a certain track. And uh, if there are some people that are not aligned to the strategy, then it's always um, their choice to support the strategy or to also say, look, that's not for me. and and stepping out of the bus. But um, there's a broad alignment and uh, we are regularly meeting every week. And, and so I would just say there's a lot of uh, gossip in the market, I guess.
1: Okay. So let's go to you know, some of the strategic implement- implementations you've been doing um, in the last 12 months. And there's been a lot. There's obviously been a lot of consolidation and cost out and, and uh, duplication coming out, right, Jens, and HR and, and uh, finance and all those sort of things. If we go to the campus model first, your brands essentially now report into into campus heads by state market, and tell me if I'm getting this wrong, uh, rather than a national brand run autonomously solely by a national leadership team. How is that going? And I guess the big thing is, there's a big, big change when you've got you've had businesses operating a certain way, and as you say, trying to change it up. How? Uh, what's been the biggest challenge to executing on that basis uh, and the biggest areas of improvement so far, do you see? So to be clear, it's the structure where you've got state-based heads that are running uh, independent brands. What, what's going on there in terms of the improvements and the challenges? So um, first, I have to slightly correct you. We are running a campus
0: model Mm -hmm. and there are two different parts of the campus model. One is location. So in the past, um, we had a lot of different brands sitting in different uh, areas Um, in Sydney, in Melbourne and in all of the other um, offices that we were running. From my point of view, in a connected, digital connected world, uh, you cannot be disconnected. So one big driver of our campus strategy was bringing our people, our offices closer together, collaborate more, understand more of the overall solution space that we can bring to our clients. And actually also every study shows proximity is helping to collaborate uh, collaborate between the brands and understanding the other brands and the solutions better. And um, if you think about the great opportunity um, that we have with being by far the biggest footprint in our industry uh, with 1,500 active clients, if you think about what these clients, uh, what the needs of their clients are, that means PR, crisis management, it means media, it means programmatic, it means creative, it means technology, it means data strategies. Um, it needs. It means uh, marketing cloud implementation. All of these things um, are obviously not delivered by one of our brands, but by many of our strong brands, and therefore uh, a cross collaboration is a fantastic uh, step. And actually, there's a broad agreement, uh, not only with the leadership team but with all our people, that um, that was a fantastic step. So we had. Just before COVID hit, we had an offsite and I announced uh, the new strategy to about 3,000 people in Sydney. And um, that was the first time that all the WPP people in Sydney came together. And uh, there was a lot of vibe and a lot of buzz. And they were saying, oh, we didn't know, Jens, how many we are. We didn't know there are so many other cool people around. So that's, that's one part of the campus model. And then... And we will keep it like this. So there's no change of p or no uh, mix of brands, but there's a very strong WPP platform where our brands can flourish on. The second part of it is in our remote places, like Auckland, like Wellington in New Zealand, like Perth on the other side in Western Australia, like Adelaide and like Brisbane, So there we operate with much smaller teams. Also, all, all our brands are active in these areas. But um, again, proximity, I believe that if we serve our clients well, we have um, troops and offices on the ground next to our clients. Best would be in walking distance to our partners. And then whatever they need, whatever is best for their business to uh, drive their growth and to be connected to their users, shoppers, consumers, customers, um, we need to offer them. And we can by actually having um, in these remote offices in these smaller cities, one office, but also one p And that allows us to have a full agility across the brand. So maybe we have a very strong person with social media sitting underneath, let's say VML, y but there's maybe a client in Wunderman Thompson who need exactly that expertise right now for a project. And uh, then in the new model, we are allowing people to work in a different brand, cross-brand, and helping that client with that particular skill and and task. That model is not valid, so that's the correction for Melbourne and for Sydney, but in the smaller market it is um, valid and it's actually already carrying some fruit. So one example of it, Paul, is last year in New Zealand uh, we were loss-making. Um, because every brand was operating in a silo, in a different office, as I stated, and now they are working together. And we are actually um, very proud. In 2020, in a in a COVID year, um, with a lot of pressure on our top line, we could uh, show that this model is um, showing profitable.
1: Growth in these areas. Okay, so so that this campus model, in terms of the the way you, the purity of it you're talking about, um, not in Sydney and Melbourne, which are clearly the, clearly the big markets, is there intent to do to go there, Yens, in terms of campus for for those markets?
0: No, we will go into um, one office um, because the people like the collaboration, the clients like the collaboration. But we will not um, bring it under one p We have strong independent brands offering different solutions. And I think it's in our strategy stated clients first. It's on the client to what uh, door they come into, what uh, brand they tap and into, what cap- uh, capabilities Uh, they are looking for and we can deliver whatever the clients are asking all across the end-to-end customer journey of our clients.
1: Okay, so that's Sydney and Melbourne remain separate and brand-based. The other state campuses, are there operational challenges there in terms of the national leadership and the direction that national leadership may have for a brand versus the state-based campus leaders where, to your point, it's about maybe what the clients want? So is there some crossover and weaving going on?
0: Yeah, so the the client's first strategy that we introduced means that we serve our clients with um, our capabilities across all brands. And um, the decision what the client needs is, is sitting on the client side
1: interesting, Jens, around brands. There's a big global conversation right now about um, obviously how comms companies are structured. In your view, a multi-brand model like WPP has today, what's better? Is it that? Or is it the consulting style sort of metric approach where there's essentially one brand, but lots of deep capabilities within it? Because you want to go more to consulting as well. So I'm just wondering what what the structure looks like and and your sense around brands, the agency brands that you own, that WV owns uh, versus a sort of a, a more broader offering like you're About which is under a WPP brand?
0: No, it's and it's not. So, um, from my point of view, WPP is a very strong platform where our bl- brands can flourish on. But the brands are holding the client relations, and and that's I, I think a very um, strong pillar of our strategy and our philosophy. Um, but. <laughs> the the um, the people from the, the, the client leads from the brand can then tap into other brands and other capabilities that they are not offering in their own brand and and building an end to end journey. So our future view is very clearly stated um, we are between the consultancies. Actually, AKQA was outperforming, according to Gartner, the um, marketing cloud implementation versus Deloitte and also versus Accenture. So we are strong on that arm and we can deliver on that. And on the other side, we also have then the operations. That means the whole media business um, with uh, state of art um, technology. And we have the creative and the content part in our hands. So that that makes us, I think, very, very competitive those the other holding companies. But on top, it makes us also very competitive towards the consultancies and the IT implementation. Because normally after the IT implementation is done, uh, the consultancies are leaving and we see that, that uh, a lot of times then the clients are puzzled. They have then a new machine, but how to operate it, how to run it. This is where I think um, there's, a, there's a gap um, and it's a sweet spot for us where we can tap in because we are delivering on the creative content. We are delivering on the media operations and we are delivering on um, the IT and marketing cloud implementation.
1: Right, and I want to get more to that one in a sec, but I definitely got to get you Jens on, on this um, these comments that were made by uh, the APAC CEO of Sir Martin Sorrell's Startup S4. Of course, uh, Sir Martin was the uh, was the brainchild behind WPP, but basically Michelle Ric said on a, an MI3 podcast that holding companies, not just yours by the way, but holding companies can't adjust fast enough and fix their structures for a new operating environment. Um do you have some thoughts? Well, you do have some thoughts on that. Give us a thoughts on, on you heard that podcast, and it's, uh, you know, I think you may have heard we discussed, it was a little ironic that Sir Martin is throwing stones at the big holding companies. Why didn't, I ask the question, why didn't he fix it before he left? Maybe he couldn't. But your take on 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 uh, S4's views on uh, on your business and beyond.
0: I think uh, Sir Martin Sorrell did a fantastic um, job in, in building WPP, there's one thing uh, when you listen to the podcast, uh, that he is now learned and changing and, and that is he talks about the full integration. And that is probably the things that we are currently doing um, as part of the step one of the transformation as well. We integrate um, so we have fewer and stronger brands. That means. That when we acquire a new business, we just did in, uh, at the beginning of the year, an Adobe implementer, very small business um, called Dominion, and we we don't let it stand um, standalone and siloed. We immediately one hundred percent integrated into AKQA, and and that is the new norm. So. Um, we are obviously looking for other acquisitions in the um, MarTech and AdTech field, and the data field. Um, and these acquisitions will not be left standalone. And I think that was um, the learning that also S4 Capital now realizes. Um, and, and we will integrate these uh, fully into our strong brands to have a, a compelling solution suite. It's, it's funny to hear, obviously, when, when you talked about the S4 uh, podcast. It's Actually, I, I like your whole series of podcasts there, but um, I, I was smiling a bit and saying, yeah, well, somebody learned a, a great lesson. And uh, <laughs> now um, um, maybe with, with um, S4 trying to get into the market here, we will show that we are transforming much quicker than some people in the market are thinking. And also that there's not much of uh, uh, transformation needed because it's more like a collaboration and an integration and to put the client in the center of everything and the partner in the center of everything we do. And nobody ha- can do that better um, than than we can do it.
1: So Jens, the, the point that uh, Michel Derrick made though is that the holding companies are too big, too too, too cumbersome and too restricted by investors. Because when I asked him why didn't Martin uh, Sorrell do this himself at WP, he essentially acknowledged that perhaps uh, to, to shake it up and transform was too challenging for investors to see what's next. So that's the big point and forward to your point structured you're trying to do the same thing but can the big companies can the big holding companies do it at pace i guess is or do you need the pace that that s4 is talking about
0: um, <laughs> it's funny that uh, somebody says um, that that it's too hard to do, and and uh, <laughs> and actually I, I don't find that very hard um, because we are operating from a large uh, customer base, from lots of experience, from very creative people, from very tech savvy people, and they they actually naturally like to work closer together and collaborate more, and therefore. Um, it's it's maybe interesting um that point of view that you know s4 capital cannot do it we can and th- that is that journey we started um in october 2019 and um you know covid cannot hold us back and um i think um our investors are actually very happy. I just had my Q3 talk with them and they said, well, that's that's really the transformation we were looking for, the integration and collaboration. So um, I think we are on a very good trajectory. And, and just to underline this, uh, Paul, um, looking at our results. So the market is down 27%. We are down 14% in COVID. But the, the um, amazing part that the team achieved, all the people in WPP achieved, is that since June, every month, we are more profitable than the prior year without COVID. So, June 20 more profitable than June 2019, July the same, August the same, September the same. Let's see how October looks like. But um, I I think that that new model and that transformation really works. And um, not looking only at profit, I think more importantly, listening as we stated and started our conversation today, is listening to clients and they really like the model. They say, hey Jens. That's fantastic. Now we we understand what really end-to-end services mean in creative, into media operations, into martech implementations, and that is such a great feedback. I mean, one of the the greatest uh, brands of Australia, um, like Bunnings, we were we were uh, running the whole e-commerce journey in COVID times. Our people were basically working Saturday and Sunday to to make it happen, and and that case study is amazing. And we are now talking, obviously, to other big retailers that are um, considering to go on a similar journey. So I think there's so much upside in it. But I would tend to agree with one thing that Michel Reich um, said, and that is um, if you stay at the traditional hold call model and doing only the traditional stuff and not tapping into technology and MarTech integration then you probably have some, some very challenging times ahead.
1: So, um, yes, and we're gonna to get to that right now. The, so the, just on terms of that transformation, obviously Westpac moved out of WP this week or last week, whenever it was. There's obviously some that aren't buying the transformation model there. Jens, what happened with that on that side? I thought you would have, that would have been a big opportunity for you to, to really push that, that strategy.
0: Yes, um, so you know, our business is uh, very much um, campaign driven and very much pitch driven, as you probably know. And um, there are some pitches that you win and others that you don't win. Most importantly, um, we also have to look at our uh, quality and uh, pricing the, the, the quality that, that we can offer. And, um, and at that time with, with Westpac, we were not successful. We are very successful in other pitches. We won a lot of new business, even under COVID this year. And therefore, um, yes... That's a loss. There will be other wins as well.
1: Transforming WPP to a technology and creative company is what you just talked about earlier, and it's a very big focus for you. We're going to wind up very quickly, but to the creative side first, do you think you need new types of creative talent and capabilities to align with this technology focus you have or the current sort of uh, set of creative skill sets and the people you've got, uh, the right people? What's your thinking there?
0: We have a very strong talent suite on the creative part. Actually, it's a competitive edge uh, towards the consultancies. So I'm very proud and and very happy with uh, our creative um, force and and power that we have. And um, I I would say, Paul, it's not that we need other creative capabilities, but we need to define creative in a totally different way. Creativity for me is uh, not only having a, a fantastic uh, tagline or fantastic photo shoot or artwork or TVC. Creativity is also how, how is the, the app working? How is the customer interaction on the website working? What what do we do with all the data that are sitting in our clients? And and what are the creative ideas and the insights that we generate out of it? So I think if we just um, define creativity uh, and delegated to to some of our creative agencies, that's good. But it's not good enough because also a coder or an experience, a brand experience needs a lot of creativity. So creativity is part of every single uh, project that we are doing all across our our strong
1: brands. So, how is the contribution Jens, going from technology and, cons- and the consulting side uh, in, in revenue terms? Because I know that's something that you've you know you're, you're building out. Um, what are you expecting there from the technology that this new focus on tech, martech, and customer experience and integration, and all those things? Uh, what are you expecting there in the next couple of years, at least, in terms of revenue contribution? Because when you look at your numbers. The vast rump, there's something like two hundred million, I think, that sits in the eight the classic traditional agency group. It's still a big beast, right? It's a big driver of WP's revenues and profits. So when does that when does this play out, the technology side, um, making up for perhaps what is a mature business in, in, in agencies?
0: Yes. So um, we have three growth areas, growth pillars, aside our strong advertising core and media core. That is e-commerce and commerce, that is technology and data, and that is experience and digital experience. So these three are the growth areas. If you look at uh, Australia and New Zealand in our region, they all grow double digit. Um, And again, numbers are never lying. So um, when the whole market in the COVID year was down 27%, you can already see with, with our numbers being um, slightly impacted by 14% that um, the the tech play uh, was holding us strong and making us stronger than the overall market. So the, the addressable market for our company changed rapidly from only the traditional side now to a fantastic um, experience.
1: You're seeing that in your numbers, Jens. You're seeing revenue uptake from those three areas, whatever the companies they are. And I think we won't get into detail the central central initiatives, but e-commerce, tech and data, and uh, experience, customer experience. Those things offset the downturn in other parts is that what you're saying yes right a final question for you your numbers revenues are down as is everyone's when do you think you'll reach organic growth again and and will it come from acquisitions i think it's both um
0: it's it's a combination we in the moment investing heavily in our in our people and generate new uh, capabilities where we still had some some gaps or white spots Um, That is the organic part of it. Um, The second part is um, our big uh, customer base of the 1500 active uh, clients. They need to understand now the digital journeys, the omnichannel parts of their business, the the customer interactions on the virtual and physical space. And there is uh, obviously a a big growth uh, coming from and lastly, yes, we are also looking unorganically into uh, some areas w- where we are investing in.
1: Right, and they'll be integrated into existing units, not standalones.
0: Yes, yep. obviously, yes. that's that's uh, the, the the bit or uh, well, the piece that was missing in the past. And uh, I'm a strong believer of uh, one strong platform and then differentiated offers in the different brands to our clients. So the the shared service functions, HR, IT, finance, um, that are not differentiated, they they are better in one platform. And then there's a fantastic universe of uh, very strong brands that our clients can tap into.
1: Okay, 2021, Jens, 50-50 is the working scenario for the new normal, I think you've said. Is that where you kind of see things settling uh, mid to long-term for people in the office, working outside, working from home, remote? Is that kind of where you see it?
0: Well, that's where we started our podcast, Paul. Um, First, we need data and we need to listen to our employees, what they want and how we can best serve the other listening piece to our clients. And then we can say what the number is. Currently, if you want to have a first gut feeling, I would say it's a more 25 working from home, 75 working uh, from the office. Why? Because this is where all our creative people come together and this is where ideas spark. And um, this is not an ideal scenario if you just sit at at your desk in the living room at home and, and thinking about the creative idea. So I would rather say 25 to 75 and not 50-50. But, Let's
1: see what the numbers say. Okay, yeah, no, good. That would be very interesting next year. So we started this uh, off off the mic, saying uh, I'm looking forward to a summer break. Your summer break Jens, What does it look like? Uh, my
0: summer break uh, last year we we didn't have it because of the bushfires, and uh, I crafted the strategy with with the team. Uh, and this year, I'm very, very happy. I go down to South Australia, which is open. We will visit Kangaroo Island. Uh, we also will see our colleagues down down in Adelaide, which is fantastic. And uh, I will have a sip of wine in the Barossa Valley.
1: Well, I was going to say, make sure you, tu- you make sure you sample the wine down there. So thanks. Enjoy your enjoy your break, Jens. Thanks for joining us, and we will no doubt talk uh, in 2021. Yeah, looking, looking forward. Thanks, Paul. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's moi, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.